This is Sassina's Pa a Star Trek, where we are watching uh, The Orville, Seth MacFarlane's futuristic, laid-back, comedic take on Star Trek. Today, we're watching Cupid's Arrow. I'm Van Velding. I'm Skiltow. In this episode, the forensic archaeologist who broke up Ed and Kelly's marriage returns. When his carefree romances result in a war breaking out, he learns a valuable lesson. It kind of reminds me of the original series episode, Elan of Troyes, where they're transporting a diplomat, and she has tears that makes Captain Kirk fall in love with her. Oh, right, the compulsion there. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, in Star Trek, my first thought was for Next Generation, uh, Lonely Among Us, with the delegates who literally want to cook and eat each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my next thought was Deep Space Nine had an episode called Fascination, where Loxana Troy, Counselor Troy's mom, has like an old disease and she uses her telepathic abilities to make people on the station crazy horny. It's like a horny field on the station. It's, uh, I am surprised this is a recurring theme in Star Trek. Another <laughs> one from the next generation is Man of the People, where a diplomat who is responsible for getting two warring peoples together uses a similar effect on deanna troy yeah yeah but where man of the people focuses that attention all on troy cupid's dagger does a pretty good job of spreading the attention around yeah um ed and kelly usually they have a conflict of they were once attracted to each other so maybe they will be again and they're divorced so they don't like each other so there's like this positive or negative romantic link between them and this puts it at a perpendicular, so they're competing with each other. That's yeah, pretty amazing. You, it's not often you're going to get a broken up couple to compete with each other. Well, I guess Star Trek brings in third genders and a general species <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, you, you have to get a little gay to, to do that, generally speaking. And I, I appreciate this episode shows Mercer being susceptible to Derulia's effects, you know, despite the fact that he's a guy and then you you put a man and a woman in romantic competition. Like, I'm a little irked at Mercer's sudden descent, descent into homosexual stereotypes just because he wants to have sex with a guy. Uh, and they have the labels conversation, which is a belabored way of not gay folks saying how cool they are with gays. But, like, they could have had any other conversation at all and it would have been funny, but it feels like the joke is that Mercer's acting gay, and I feel like this series can do better jokes than that. Right. Being says head white, I read that scene as Mercer being descending into valley girl stereotypes, which was kind of funny. But I don't know how close those are to homosexual stereotypes. I think they pull from the same effeminate well, and I think that's, that's probably a fair reading of it as well on your end. You know, but you pointed this out that if they'd made Malloy gay, that would have added a lot of depth to things. Yeah, having him on the receiving end of that conversation is... I don't know how often that happens to you, but I think it would do something new with the character that, as far as I can tell, is the one character we haven't seen any romances from yet this season. You're right, and Malloy seems like the type of guy that would have some romance. Not, not classy romances, but like Tinder romances or whatever. Like trailer park stuff. So, but like... it. It isn't just about Malloy and Ed and Kelly. Like, it goes to the rest of the crew as well, this episode. Yeah, we get, we even get scenes with all of the secondary characters, I think. 
Bordis, Clyden, and their baby show up. We get to see some of the strife, marital strife, divorce strife. Are they going to get divorced? Yeah. Is that what we're <laughs> seeing? We have a divorced couple, one troubled couple. We don't have a happy couple yet. It's an ongoing story. Uh, and I like that. And we also get to see kind of the Bordis's weird um, hook to the, the tiny day day in the life scenes where they want Bordis to sing. Oh, yeah, that was great. I'm kind of sad we did not actually hear Bordis sing. There was a great gag <laughs> cutting off right there, though. And a great callback yeah, yeah. to Data's various performances in Next Generation. And while, you know, Data's performances could sometimes be hit or miss in terms of honestly enjoyable slash cringe-inducing and uh, his Felis Caddis poem and his stand-up comedy routine being good examples of that. Um, they cut away because I think the reality of what they could have done may have fallen short of our expectation of Bordas singing. And they're building up expectations, I think, with Alara. I don't know what direction they're going to take it eventually, but she does seem to have some attention for Ed, like when she's prying into what Kelly tells her about <laughs> and then she's also prying into uh Derulio's relationship with kelly and ed in the hallway which makes her seem like yeah. kind of a gossip or a busybody and then yeah. at the beginning of the episode when she's talking to the guy in the cargo bay right, right. do they have a gossip for the head of security this is a <laughs> yeah wonderful I mean, it's... new dimensions but i mean it gives her a little bit of characterization um, but yeah, we learn as a way of expositing for us in the audience that who Dorilio is because she talks to this shuttle bay operator and he's, she's like, how do you know who he is? And he's like, you told me. So I guess she talks to people on the ship about the captain and Exo's failed marriage, which is another good bit of slice of life. Yeah. Yeah. I like it when this show does that. The show's pretty good at that. And apparently a big slice of their life for the past month has been uh, Yafit making regular trips to sickbay to <laughs> woo uh, Dr. Finn. Yeah. Um, it's always so weird when like an amorphous blob is interested in a human. Like, what is it about this human that catches your uh, sensory organs? I don't know. It could be the pheromones. <laughs> it could be the pheromones. I, um, I like Yafit, though. I like Finn. If I remember right, technically, you like Norm and you are unimpressed with Finn. I mean, yeah. I see the potential in Finn, but I do like Norm MacDonald, yeah. It's, I feel a little weird that our best Yafit episode is a is one where it's basically an ensemble episode with all these other characters, all these secondary characters getting their token scenes. And we do get a lot yeah. more from Yafit here. But it seems like a... Fully 3D animated character is tough to do for a weekly or almost weekly show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's expensive, I'm sure. Um, but, I mean, it's so worth it to get Norm MacDonald's character in there doing cool stuff. Yeah. If we had to stuff uh, Yafit into, like, a cat carrier or a spacesuit or something, just so that we could have him on more, that would I'd be okay with that, I think. <laughs> I'd be great. Like, a big encounter suit with, like, one glass bubble in the front they can put a little bit of, like, goo animation into. So like yeah. more McDonald run. I think it'd be great. If it had like three arms or just one arm, or three legs or something. Yeah, a little hole in the side and he can pop a tentacle out as needed to do a little extra stuff. If that's cheaper for him, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So did I talk about Yafit being Jordy before? I think not I mentioned... that I recall. All right. So people want to say Lamar is Jordy, but he's not. 
uh, Geordi's defining characteristics, as I recall them, were his hopeless romances, his technical capabilities, and that he has his eyes are basically blocked all the time, so he has to do all his acting with his voice and mouth. Which, to his credit, Norm seems to be nearly as good as LeVar Burton. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't go that far. Nor- Norm's good, though. Norm's good. I, I can definitely see the parallels between the two of them. Because uh, you do get a lot of expressions out of Yoffit in this episode. His, his crestfallenness, his excitement, everything. I mean, he, he literally takes dr finn into his like intimate space and uh you know shows her you know his innermost self and then Um, they go back to the sick bay for some reason which i didn't really understand i don't know i i assume that was a couple hours later sure sure but wandering around the ship seems i don't know yeah it's (laughs) you don't you don't logically follow the movement of those characters um but it's all because of derulio and yeah it's weird but this this feels like usually we'd say this is a Mercer episode or this is an Alara episode, but this is kind of a Derulio episode. It is. Uh, He's is got none of our character. I guess you could maybe say Alara learned something about being security. We see her actually like <laughs> doing achieve things, but yeah. really, Derulio is the only one who learns any kind of lesson here. And I don't know if I don't know if our story requires our main characters to learn something in every episode, or to even have an arc per se. I'm. Um, it's. I don't think so. This episode is fast paced enough. It's fun enough that we can get it by without it. Yeah, I mean, it's. It is well paced. Like it's got an interesting idea in it, not about pheromones or interstellar politics, but about responsibility and critically examining actions which benefit you uh in Dorilio's case getting him laid because he's i mean he's roofying people basically it's 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 date rape it's, it's ceremony pretty rape. crazy it's yeah that's yeah. it's amazing that he has never come into any situation before <laughs> now where it, that it has turned out badly for him yeah, he, he should be on medication, and he should, like, warn people of his condition. He should have, like, a little breathing mat. I don't know. Just something where he's like, I, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm in heat. I'm emitting pheromones. You know, let's just be careful now. And he comes it's off like such a nice guy, but he is an expert manipulator. Every scene he's in, like, the very first, uh, when he first comes on the ship, he's the one who shakes Ed and Kelly's hands, infecting them. And then every movement after that is to get them closer and more intoxicated. Yeah. I mean, he's he very much loves the attention and he leads them on and he has no kind of cognizance that what they're doing is of massive importance, uh, that what he's doing is wrong or that or that it could have consequences, which is just the the thing he learns in this episode. Yeah. I kind of like him as a Harry Mudd type character where (laughs) what he's doing could be interpreted as evil. This is how you do an evil mud Star Trek discovery. Not a weird bearded psychopath. Unless the weird bearded psychopath is secretly a Klingon. But <laughs> the the question you brought up, which was a good question about Derulio in the ending of this episode, is if he's sketchy and manipulative and selfish, could he have just faked the DNA uh, on the planet? Especially, like, as you said, he basically roofied the two chief delegates into their agreement, which, as we've seen, is temporary. Those diplomats are going to come to, and assuming they don't pretend like it was all on purpose to save face... They're going to say, you roofied us into having sex with each other, which is some kind of sexual assault you need a freaking whiteboard to describe. And then they're going to say, the union roofied us for peace, 
So the union would do anything for peace. So who we thought was a neutral party is now completely untrustworthy. Uh, and it seems like you, you defeat yourself utterly with these things. At the beginning of the episode, the Union Admiral said that this was the ideal outcome. So, I mean, with as careless as Derulio is, I think there's a genuine chance he did forge the DNA link. I mean, I don't think it's particularly likely. I'd put it one in six, maybe. But it's there, and it's significant. In text, I don't think it was intended, but maybe Derulio um, was, wasn't was a rogue. Maybe the Derulio is like, hey, oh, you guys want me to do what? To do everything? Okay. And then he's just there to, like, mess things up and get people high on pheromones and make sure peace happens. Yeah. So, because it doesn't matter, because he's going to come up with the, the DNA outcome is foregone. Part of the ensemble cast in this is another character we don't see a lot of, the elevator guy. I'm sure he has a name, but he's shown up in a couple of episodes, and I get the feeling he's going to be the morale officer. Like, what's his name from Voyager? Neelix. I don't know if he's going to go postal or end up being an undercover krill or something or an undercover krill that goes postal from <laughs> Jiminch contact with these union people. I feel like that's another slow burn thing. I like his character. I like his interactions. I like how he eases the tension. He's good for a gag every so often. Yeah. 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 I, I like, I like his, his, was it three scenes in this, this, this show he has? It's good. So how is that sweet music, sweet elevator music going to carry us into the future? Um, my, my initial thought is that there's no good pitch for this episode, but, but if we are going to do hackneyed sitcom plots, Malloy and uh, Grayson, they start seeing people on the virtual web. Okay. So from our omniscient view, we immediately think that they're seeing each other because they're like little clues. Right. Mm -hmm. And we think they're being drawn together by the same things that initially drew them to Mercer because they have to have commonalities sure. there. So they go to like the virtual web hub planet, like as part of a mission or whatever. So they're going to meet up with these people they're talking to and they feel like they figured out that it's each other. And so Malloy is there and like he's got flowers in hand because like he just figures it out, but he has enough time to like plan out lines to Grayson about how awkward this is. Maybe he's like, oh, I haven't dated a woman who cheated on me and tear out my heart since junior high. So I thought I'd give it a shot. And Grayson's like, oh, my marriage fell apart because my husband was too focused on his career and you don't have that problem. So, like, they, they get to plan those little barbs out. You don't have that problem. But it turns out the the people they were dating were, are, like, living hologram guys. And they're, like, they're like projected from little Roombas because that's hilarious. And they are their own virtual web avatars. And they're generally, genuinely interested in Grayson and Malloy. And it's a lesson about how people in virtual space are real people. And so you get the romance and the comedy and the stuff, I think it'd be fine. That sounds like a pretty complete episode. If I had a B-plot, I think I would make it a general shore leave episode. Maybe there's some mission that Mercer has to okay. take care of, so he's actually away on business. Yafet refuses to go down to whatever the station is, uh, Digital Pleasure Planet, right. whatever, because he's too broken up over yeah. being rejected by Finn. Bordis and Clyden... They go down. I don't really care why. They just want to have a date. And they end up being confused or repulsed by all these alien dating things. And I don't know if that's going to be a wedge between them or if it's going to be a... A wedge which joins them. Yes, that. <laughs> um... If it is a like virtual web hub planet, it would be amazing for somebody to go down and get a virus. Isaac is the most obvious for that. It's going to be super hard not to resist having Isaac get a virus. I, it would be hilarious to take the proper condescending, 
precise Isaac and you you put him into like a robot cat house. <laughs> oh, that would be great. I was trying to figure out who to do that to. That would make so much sense. Isaac would be ideal for that. Uh, if this is a so episode about virtual people being real people, I feel like yeah. whether or not we'd do it, the Orville would probably want to touch on internet misanthropy which probably means harassment of someone for being you aren't x enough or you're 2x or general nonsense and i don't know who's enough of a puppy to throw that at i mean the first the first thought is alara always right but alara gets a lot better in this series yeah but you know i i think the the positive side of that or maybe you could just have malloy and grayson think that the other person is each other and then like throw throw crap at them because of it and then it turns out like they're real people Ooh, that would hurt that could work yeah I and mean, like they've hurt real people which is it's a little bit of an occluded lesson in that case because they're still assuming the person on the other end is a person mm-hmm. but just not the person they thought they were so maybe that works you think you know things about people online but you don't actually yeah um so all those assumptions are just you being jerks to people who are innocent of what you think they're doing I'm just picturing all of the Futurama internet episodes as we talk yeah, about yeah, this. I mean, feels much more like a Futurama episode than uh, your average Star Trek episode. Yeah, with a virtual web thing, that would be, because uh, then they'd, you know, they'd probably be pretty heavy on the effects, honestly. Unless you just, um, <laughs> unless you just take like a bunch of boxes and put them in like fluorescent covering and put like UV light on it so it kind of glows luminescently and Malloy's like so this is the virtual web it looks kind of like a cheap set from the 60s and you just lampshade it just as a way to do it cheap oh Um, my god what if they actually did do like a cheap set from the 60s like uh something from the prisoner see they could do that they could do that I mean I think the prisoner sets are um I'm trying to figure out like the okay all right the real like inside sets I could see that yeah I was thinking about the location shots at the Port Mayor. Anyway, we are, I think we're over time. And from the 60s, we close with the Pina Colada song for Bordis yeah, and that... Oh, since this episode started with uh, karaoke, it should close with them doing karaoke, Pina yeah. Colada song. I, I pitched that as like an alternate plot in the notes because I'm like, I can't, I can't spin an episode. I can't pitch anything out of this. So the, mm-hmm. the, the plot would be basically the plot of the Pina Colada song. Two people in a, in a, in a, a relationship are unhappy. So they take out personal ads to, to cheat on their significant others and they answer it. And when they show up at the end, it's the person they were, they were already in a relationship with, but they've actually learned things about each other through the personal ads. So I could see that as a B plot for Bordis and Clyde. Exactly. Like they go down to have a date and then they keep taking different dates or different whatever's like climbing a rock wall or something. The point is I, do you think it'd be great to end the episode with uh, Bordis and Clyde and singing the two parts of the song? It would be a good. It'd be a good way to put a cap on the stuff in this episode too. I didn't think about literally the song, but um, you're right. You're right. That makes perfect sense. Start with Malloy and Grayson at like different tables in the same club, and then you just pan past them to Bordis and Clyde. Yeah. I mean, obviously the 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 twist on this is that Malloy and Grayson's dates end up dating each other. Once my oh, and have up. both of them dumped. Yeah, right. And the two Roombas just head off together, happy as heck with their hologram people. So, yeah. But um, <laughs> And then Grayson and Malloy don't end up dating after that because... Of course not. It, uh, or the episode just ends before we figure but, but it out. But they could still hang out with each other. Like, they could still... 
like be miserable together for the end of the episode because they're not people who are strangers they used to know each other so yeah i think that's our pitch i think it's one of our our better ones yeah but for purposes of this recording for now bye bye